God, you are so good in this place tonight, Lord. I thank you for your presence, Lord, that surrounds us in your name. Jesus, we praise you as we are tonight, God, that we lift you up, that you be magnified in this house, Lord. In Jesus' name, we praise you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. It feels good to be in the house of God, everybody. Amen. All right, so I got to discuss two quick matters real quick before we get into it. First of all, I don't know if you can already tell, if you can hear it. My voice is like this far on the edge of like going away. Like, all right, because I tried to preach this earlier to myself, like a couple hours before service started. And then like in 10 minutes, I sound like I had laryngitis because I got lost and I was gone and then it happened. And so I'm currently recovering from that. And like, seriously, if I start getting carried away and I start getting too into it, somebody stand up and stop me or else I ain't going to make it through. Okay. So I, cause I, I can feel it, I'm like right there. And then second of all, I just found out I don't have school tomorrow. And then we're going all online for every time after that. So I, I'm, I always get a full day off tomorrow. So I have like, you know, all tomorrow morning to sleep in. And I don't care if we're here till midnight tonight, but, but I will try to rein that in and, uh, to, to withhold myself Today, no, uh, as y'all know, I'm either 15 minutes or sometimes I'm 15 hours when I'm preaching. It's either one or the other. Um, but I think I've figured out how it works. See, I think when I'm like in the flow and I'm going good and I think I'm doing good at least, right? I, I tend to be pretty quick and I tend to get through everything quick. But then when I feel like I, I'm trying to grasp for what's next, I'm grasping for straws, I'm trying to figure out what to say next and I'm, I'm kind of lost in my notes, then I feel like I tend to ramble and add on to stuff and tend to go a little long. So I just make a deal right now for both the sake of my voice and y'all's sake, y'all just go ahead and clap and shout amen and stand and clap and, and preach with me. Okay, y'all go ahead and preach with me the whole time we're up here and we'll get through in a timely manner. We'll get done with this pretty quick, all right? Amen. Woo! All right. No, nothing else to say. We're trying to go and get into it. Uh, you don't have to stand. Uh, I'm not going to start out with any key scripture or anything like that, but we are going to start... Uh, and but you know, if you want to go and put my title slide up there, talking about the thorn of infirmity, this subject, um, something I thought of a while back, and I was trying to figure out what to preach tonight, and this just kind of called out to me. And the thorn of infirmity, we're going to get into that, but first, we're going to talk about a couple of characters from the Bible, mainly first Jacob, right? And who is Jacob? What is Jacob? So, we're going to walk through the journey of Jacob for just a little bit to kick things off. Um, so obviously there was Abraham, right? Everybody knows Abraham, father Abraham. He had many sons. One of those ends up being Jacob, but the first one was Isaac. So Abraham goes out, ventures in this far land, and he goes and he dwells there, has a son, Isaac. Isaac dwells in the land of his father. Isaac now um, you know, grows old in the land of his father and has these two sons, these two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob so named as a usurper, as a deceiver, as somebody trying to up someone else because he came out of the wound with his, heel, uh, with his hand around the heel of his brother Esau. He was, he was reaching around his brother, and so he, from birth, was defined as a usurper. Jacob was born into a life that labeled him deceiver, that labeled him, that labeled him in a sinful nature, in, in deception, in, in usurping and trying to uh, out, outdo and take from others. He was born into this status of usurper. Later on, Jacob owns up to his name, ends up stealing the birthright of his older brother, and then flees for fear of his life to his uncle Laban. Um, and so he flees to Laban, and on the way, he takes a nap somewhere, finds a nice comfy rock to lay his head on, 
and he dozes off with the camels and all the stuff he's taking with him. And he has this dream. And in this dream, he encounters the Lord God of Abraham and of Isaac. And uh, if we read Genesis 28, 16, this is right when he wakes up. Um, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city had been Luz previously. So he goes, he has this dream, he sees God, he encounters God, and, and, and he witnesses it for the first time. This must be the place of God. And then he goes and he serves Laban for many more years and grows in much blessing and, and uh, much wealth. And then in Genesis 32, um, this is him coming back. He's coming back. He's left Laban. He's leaving, and he's, he's on his way back. And then he sends a, uh, basically a note to his brother Esau, and he's like, hey, we going to be good, fam? And then his messenger comes back, and he's like, hey, Esau's coming to you with like 400 men. And he's like, I don't think we're good, fam. Okay, so, so he, then he, he sits there, and he starts scrambling and figuring out what he's going to do, and he sends, he sends his family and all of his possessions across the river, so we're going to start in Genesis 32. He took them and sent them over the brook and sent over what he had, and so John's collision, of course, back with Esau. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he thought... Uh, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint, and he wrestled with him, and he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said unto him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men, and have prevailed. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over uh, Penuel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. And so Jacob now had this fight, had this encounter, and said, I've seen God face to face. And he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And, and in this time, when, when the angel of the Lord couldn't prevail against Jacob, it touched him in the hip, and it, and it, and it uh, you know, the Bible says it shrunk his sinew, but it, it put his hip out of joint. And, and, and so at the end of it all, and then the, Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And so they said, what is your name? He said, I am Jacob. My name is Jacob. And then so the, the, the angel of the Lord blessed him and left. But even after he left, he still walked. With a limp, he still had that 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 kind of thorn in his side. He still had that 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 hip that was out of joint. And for the rest of his days, Jacob would never put off that limp. For the rest of his days, Jacob would continue to walk like that. But the more importantly, Jacob left that altercation as Jacob. See, Jacob had that encounter with God, and Jacob would go on forever debilitated by that limp, marred by his imperfections, stained by his sins, and still walked as Jacob. That is how Jacob would live out. The rest of his life. Another character I want to look at from the Bible is Paul. I'm sure we all know Paul and know that story at least fairly well. Um, Paul was raised as a devout Jew. He was there at the stoning of Stephen. He held the coats. He condoned it as a um, as a younger man. He became the great persecutor of Christianity. Uh, however, much like Jacob, he encountered God on his journey. It was on a road to Damascus. From, uh, and then from there, he grew in God and became one of the great renown among all men. Um, 
And then after walking with God for much time, he writes this passage to the church of Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 5, and this is kind of, that was like all the preliminary stuff. I had to get through it because I know all y'all know it, but I just had to make sure you knew it. But now we're going to get into the, the stuff stuff. Starting in verse 5, of such a one, I will boast, yet of myself, I will not boast, except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to beat me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. I'm going to take a break right here and talk about that for a second. But that's where I get the thorn of infirmity. It's this thorn in his side. And, and, and he's going about and he's ministering to God. And he's living this life uh, in Christ. And he's walking on his journey with God. But he has this thorn in his side. This, this, this splinter under his skin. This thing that just kind of ags and aches him. This thing that's just always there at the most inconvenient times. And, and he describes it as... Um, he, he describes it as... Uh, a messenger of Satan to beat him, to buffet him. And if there's any discrepancies between what's on the screen and what's on here, a lot of my stuff is in NKJV. That's like all KJV. Just pardon it. It's okay. It's still the word of God. It's going to be all right. Um, but so here we see this thorn of infirmity that weighs on Paul, this messenger of Satan that beats him and bruises him. And he says he went to the Lord and three times asked if God would remove this from him, would take this weight from him, would remove this, the, the, this, this inconvenience from him. And I'm going to take a little liberty tonight, and I know it's not going to be exactly perfectly scripturally accurate, but I'm going to take a little liberty. I want to maybe analyze those, what those three times were like, right? Maybe what, maybe what happened, what was said in those three different times that he went to God and said, hey, God, will you, will you remove this from me? And then and they did it again. So we're going to look into that. And so now, obviously, there's this thing that's bothering Paul, this thorn in his side. And, and, and so he, he's wondering, why do I have to keep this thorn? Why do I have to keep going through this? Why, why do I have to keep this with me? And, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some liberty and, and look into those, um, look into my three thoughts to apply to, to the three times. Um, so maybe the first time Paul asked for its removal, the first time Paul went to God in prayer and said, God, can, can this be removed from me? Can I, can I be delivered from this? He was told that he has to keep it as a reminder of his testimony. Yes, that very thing that Satan, uh, I, I read my words wrong, but it's okay, of his humanity. That's what I wanted to say. It's a weird font, and the H looks like a T, and I read testimony. A reminder of his humanity. That very thing Satan was wanting to use to hurt him, to knock him down, to buffet him, to beat him, to bruise him. That, that very thing, a reminder of all the things that he had done wrong, a reminder of all the things where he fell short, a reminder of all the times God said, I, I, I make you keep this thorn as a reminder of your humanity, as a reminder of your fault, as a reminder of every flaw and failure, every shortcoming and every mistake, because God wants to use the, that, that thorn as a reminder of our humanity. 
Maybe he helped Paul understand that if he wasn't plagued by this humanity, if he wasn't plagued by this thorn of iniquity, he would have no reason to need God. If he was perfect and without humanity, if he could really be righteous on his own and could live it on his own, then he would have no need for God. He would have no need to turn and ask forgiveness for his sins. He would have no need to turn and seek help from the Almighty God. And if God delivered him from this humanity, then he would have no need to serve him. If he was perfect, then he would have no need for God, for a savior. Just like that limp of Jacob, it was a constant reminder of what he was before he knew God. It's a constant reminder of how we aren't good enough without God, of how we really can't make it through this world unless we have God. It's a reminder of our humanity. It's a reminder of how, of how little we can really do. But just like that limp of Jacob, it reminds more of what we were before we encountered God. It's more of a reminder than, than, than what we were before we knew God. Not only did it remind Jacob that limp of his, not only did it remind him what he was, but also that it is God who knows him through his, in, through his humanity. So maybe, maybe God told Paul, and maybe God showed Paul that, 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 that to him, uh, that is his humanity by which he knows him. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, seeing then, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How can we, how can we, how can man relate to God except through this humanity who Jesus came wrapped in flesh put on humanity but was the only one to be flawless in humanity was the only one to wear this the, the sins of this world to put on the flesh of, of this dirt of this world of this dust and be holy and be righteous the, the, the idea that God came and wrapped himself in humanity how could we ever know God but through his humanity how could we ever relate to God but through his humanity? That's when we have to wear this humanity. That's when we have to wear this thorn of iniquity. Because it's a reminder that God knows us through our humanity, that we can reach him through our humanity. Maybe Paul began to look back at some of the biggest and best Christians. And, and, and whenever I said weakness and it said iniquity up there, iniquity is a weakness in mental or physical sense. It, it is a fault. It's, it's a flaw. It's a weakness. It's something that, that isn't as strong. And so Paul began to look back and saw the biggest and best Christians, you know, his, his, his idols in the ministry, his Jeff Arnold's and, and Brother Mangum's and you know, his, his, his Brother Bernard's. And we had to look back at them and he realized that he saw those who had the strongest bind to God, walked with the biggest limps. Those who had the strongest connection to the throne, those who could sit there and touch the very face of heaven in an instant, 
walked with the biggest lips, carried around the most junk with them, have the biggest past, the people who have every excuse not to be not to be in a high place with God, the people who had every excuse not to have a strong walk with God, the people who came from every background and did everything to separate themselves from God, ended up finding a way back into his presence over and over again because it was their humanity that allowed them to see their fault and plead back to God, Lord, help me. Lord, bring me out of this. Lord, I don't want to be in this. And it was their humanity that that was so weak and it was in all of their weakness where they found God it was in all of their weakness and all their infirmities where they were able to find God where they were able to see God where they were able to reach God it's this thorn of infirmity the very way Satan seeks to destroy and beat down God says that is an open invitation that you might seek me, that you might come to me. And, and this maybe pleased Paul for a while. I'm, I'm saying maybe. This is all in speculation. But, but maybe after a little bit of time, Paul still, he still didn't want to go through it, the pain, the hurt. It, it was still too much, and it was, it was still so inconvenient. And so he asked God again, God, will, will, will you, I can't move on from this. Will, it's too much. God, can you remove this from me? Maybe, maybe now God showed Paul that it's, it is because of the thorn of informity that we're going to go to a higher place. There's, there's something about this humanity that with us having it now, there's going to be a better place somewhere else. There's going to be a better place in the future. There's something to look forward to on the God. Now maybe God showed Paul that humanity is how it is supposed to be. Death and sorrow, guilt and pain is what this world is meant to be. Nothing good can come from this world. Nothing good can be made out of this sin. Just like Jacob, we are born in this world marked by the throne of infirmity. As Jacob was named a usurper at birth, we are born into sin and death in this world but it is that, it is that birth of sin, it is that mark that, that, that stains us that ensures there's going to be something higher, there's going to be a better place, there's going to be a higher place because we're marked by the thorn of infirmity. Those two men I was talking about earlier, Jacob and Paul, if we go back and begin to look back to their stories, why, why? Why can't we just go ahead and live in it now? Why can't we just go ahead and lose the humanity now and go ahead and be in that higher place? Because it's what's going to get us there. Our humanity is what's going to, it, 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 it's going to be a thing that we carry with us. And in the end days, it's going to get us there. It's going to be something, it's going to be, a, it, it's going to be intricate to us getting there. It's going to take us there. It's going to remind us of what we are stuck in in this in this in this uh, miry clay in this world that we're stuck in and that there's somewhere higher that there's somewhere better on the dawn yeah. if we can just go there yeah. with our humanity yeah. let's go back to jacob for just a second so we left off jacob and now he's walking with this limp and he has his family and i i kind of left on a cliffhanger there him and his brother they were okay fam it worked out he was fine they hugged they hugged it out they went as our mother if their mother was there, she would have done probably what my mom did. And ma'am sat down on the couch beside each other until they would look each other in the eyes and say, brothers together forever. We couldn't get up and go do whatever we wanted. So set them down. They said it. They got all good. They moved on. They were happy. Jacob has a family. Now Jacob's journeying through the land. And all of a sudden, 
Some pretty bad stuff goes down. He's trying to make it work out. Then his sons go and kill the entirety of this people, go and murder every last one of them. And Jacob immediately fears for his life because he knows the other people of the lands. All the other people are going to hold that against him and his family, and they're going to come. All the armies are going to come up and slay him. And so he begins to pray to God, still walking with his infirmity, still walking with his infirmity, still walking with his limp. And now his sons have slain the people, and he fears for his life and his family's life. So we're going to start in Genesis chapter 35. We read this little bit of passage. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, or Bethel, and dwell there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way in which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands and the earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree, which was by Shechem. So they journeyed. And so here's Jacob leading them on the way, leading his family on the way. And here's Jacob walking back to that same place. He said, go to Bethel. If you remember, it was a city named Luz. But then uh, then, uh, when, when... Jacob encountered God in that dream. He said, I named this place Bethel, and I, he, he put a rock there, and he, and he made an altar there, and he said, this is the land Bethel. And God says, go back to Bethel where, where I was with you, where, where you saw me that one time. Go back there. Go back to that same place. Come back into my presence. Go back into the place that you said, this is the gate of heaven. And so here he goes back to that same place, and he's journeying back to the same place. But now, now he's walking with this limp. Now he has this thorn. He's all of a sudden been made aware of his humanity when he came to that moment and he told God, I am Jacob. I'm a deceiver. I'm a liar. When he revealed to God his humanity, he all of a sudden became aware of it and he started walking with this limp of humanity. He started walking with this limp and and it's like he started walking with this thorn of iniquity, but he goes and makes the journey and he keeps walking because he's walking to a higher place. He still has a promise from God for a better place, for a higher place. And so he's walking and he goes back journeying up the same mountain, journeying to the same place, journeying back to the presence of God. But this time, he makes it to the presence of God with this limp, and he walks on it, and he gets there, and he journeys to this higher place. Pick him back up in verse 5, and they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from, the, uh, from Paran Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. I see you in your humanity. I see you that is marred with sin, stained by the sin of this world. I see you, Jacob. Your name is humanity. 
Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also, God said to him, I am God almighty. Be fruitful and multiply a nation and a company of nations shall be proceed, uh, shall proceed from you and kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I give to you and to your descendants after you, I give this land. Then God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. God said, I see you in your humanity. I see you in your sin. I see you in your iniquity, in your weakness, where you fall short and you are Israel. I bring you to a higher place. It was his humanity and God, he revealed his humanity back to God. He brought it back. Because first he was revealed, his humanity was revealed unto him, and he left with it. He left marred by it, but he brought it back to God. He brought that humanity back before the Lord, and the Lord said, I see you, Jacob. It was the first time the Lord said, what is your name? And now the Lord says, you are Jacob, but no longer shall you be marred by this humanity. No longer shall you be, shall you be held by this humanity. You are Israel, and I will bless you. Finally, the Lord fulfilled it and Paul's story doesn't go exactly like that but Paul is a New Testament believer Paul has a much greater promise than being given land or having prosperous for his children Paul was given a promise that you're marred by your humanity but there's going to be a better day there's going to be something on the dawn when your humanity is going to be separated from you from the east to the west and there's going to be a better day there's something to be walking towards See, Paul's promise was a little different. He says, if I can make it through this humanity, if I can make it through this thorn in my side, and if I can walk with this limp, I'm going to see a day where glory is the light. I'm going to see a day, and all of a sudden with that limp, and while I'm limping my way to heaven, I'm going to get there and stand before a righteous judge. I'm going to walk through pearly gates, and I'm going to walk in the golden streets, and there will be no limp anymore. There will be no humanity anymore. Your humanity... It's going to take you to a higher place. That's when we walk with this torn of infirmity. And so Paul, hey Paul, took that and there's a day. There's going to be that holy day of promise and there's a day. But then maybe still Paul wanted to just go ahead and live in that day. Maybe Paul just wanted to go ahead and be there. Why do I have to wait through this life? Why can't I go ahead and experience it? In this life, why can't I go ahead and be there, perfect and without flaw, without my humanity anymore, and just be in your presence? Why can't I go ahead and do that? So maybe eventually he got up. And once again, oh, that thorn, that thorn just kept pricking and agitating. It was just a splinter under the skin. Maybe Paul wondered, why can't I just go ahead and be there? And finally, again, Paul. Asks one more time, can you remove this from me, God? I just don't want to go through this anymore. This life, this humanity, the, the hurt, the guilt, the pain, the shame. I hate it. I don't want it anymore. I don't want to be stuck here anymore. Maybe 
this was the final answer Paul needed. Maybe this was the answer Paul who had no business in the dealings of God, who had no business being a part of any ministry or anything like that. Maybe this was the final reason for him to keep that thorn of infirmity. Maybe God revealed to Paul that it's through his humanity that he'll reach a lost world. Because he'll reach them through their infirmities and their weakness. God answers Paul one more time and maybe he tells him that this is how he will reach a lost world. Romans 15 verses 1 and 2. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves that every one of us please his neighbor for his good unto edification. It's the things that you've been through. It's all those marks and those, those, those things that mar you, that humanity that shames you, that guilt that plagues you. It's all of those things that you've been through. It's going to make you able to be used in the kingdom. It's going to be your testimony that makes amazing grace more than just a song. But it's going to be you who can stand there and say, in my humanity, I was blind and I was lost. But now I see and now I'm made strong in my weakness. Now I'm made strong in my infirmity. It's more than just words. It's my life. It's more than just words. It's my testimony. I was there. I've been there. And he picked me up. He lifted me out. It's your, it is your humanity that will allow you to connect others and to tell them there's a higher place than this humanity if you stay in your humanity he'll be a reminder to tell others that there's somewhere better than this humanity I was blind I was lost but look at me now I was out of this all but look at me now look where I am now I'm a testament that though you are marred with humanity it does not mean that you cannot have favor with God Let me tell you about my God, Jesus. Let me tell you about my Savior, the one who brought me out of this. Let me assure you that there is more than this thorn of iniquity. You don't have to be lost in your humanity and you bring them in through that thorn of iniquity, through that humanity that hurt, the pain, the death. Let's you relate to others, let's you bring them, let's you reveal to them. There's a higher place. If the musicians would go ahead and come. As I'm coming to a close. Maybe that's why. Just maybe. Maybe that's what happened. And so maybe that's why when we look back to that scripture where we left off, we see Paul say right after he said he asked God three times to remove it from him. Speaking of God's response, he said, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast 
in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Maybe Paul finally had enough reasons to sit there and say, I could try to make myself seem perfect. I could try to make myself seem like I've got life all figured out and that I'm making it through just fine. Maybe I could, maybe I could make myself seem like this is the high life and this is easy and I've got living good and I've got it all figured out. But Paul said, I would much rather boast in my infirmities. I would much rather boast in my humanity and everything that makes me not good enough. Everything that makes me a failure everything that marks me as someone who can't do this because then the power of God will rest in my life Paul said I would rather boast in my weakness and my humanity than try to put on a perfect face because it is this humanity that reminds me of where I was reminding me that I'm not good enough on my own it's this humanity that makes me able to fall on my knees and plead unto God it's this humanity that reminds me of a day that is yet to come that lets me look to that higher place that is someday going to be to shed as this humanity that's going to be shed as I walk through those pearly gates the sting of death forever numbed when we walk back into the presence of loved ones and those that we lost along the way when we walk back into that place where humanity leaves us and we don't see them in the sickness and where they left us but we see them in a glorified body before the presence of the Lord in the throne of the kingdom it's this humanity that binds me to that day it's this humanity that lets me testify to every person that comes across my path. It's this humanity that allows me to speak all levels of humanity. And I speak to all levels of humanity. It's because we can all relate to it. We all feel the same thorn in our sides. If you could all stand, it's this humanity. It's this thorn of iniquity. That creates our greatest, most meaningful, most impactful testimony we could ever tell. Yeah, it's great. I was there when we laid hands on one of our friends at senior camp, and she had been diagnosed with cancer in her leg. We laid hands, and cancer fled. That's great. Me there when the blind receive sight. I've heard deaf people speak in tongues and singing the Holy Ghost. I, are you going to be there? For all those great and mighty miraculous things, or there will be no testimony that will ever be greater than in my humanity. He loved me. Yeah. And in everything I was wrong, and in every fall I ever made, and in everything that I wasn't good enough, He still found me. Yeah. And though I am Jacob, He's going to bring me to Israel. Right now, I assure you now to come to these altars, but don't let the shame and guilt of that thorn in your side keep you from entering his presence as you come. Don't let what the enemy meant to be your downfall and your inadequacy. Don't let it tell you that you aren't good enough for God's love. But let it be the thing that brings you to his love. There is a higher place in Jesus. There is a better day in him. Let him make you adequate from your inadequacy. Let him make you whole in your brokenness. 
let him take that which mars you and bless you through it. Praise God.